This is Speaking with the Enemy on the Thai Cats Audio Network. Here is Louis Butko. Yes, the show is Speaking with the Enemy. The Enemy this week, the BC Lions coming to town to take on your Hamilton Tiger Cats and discuss that. We bring in Matt Baker, who is with the BC Lions. And uh, Matt, uh, let's start with last week's game. Uh, last Friday, I know your side on the wrong end of it, but that was game of the year. How did the Lions bounce back from such a high of that game? Always uh, good to be here, Louie, and good to see you representing uh, the Maple Leafs. Is that a Morgan Riley? Is that a... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good BC yeah. boy. Good BC Pride of Pride of West Vancouver, Hollyburn Country Club. There we go. So you got your BC flavor. I, I love it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, last week, it, it's funny, um, <laughs> was, was a bit of a gut punch there for, for a couple days, you know, coaches, players say you let it, you let it stew for 24 hours and you move on. And now that we've had about five, six days of perspective, you, you can kind of look back and appreciate the good aspects of that game. Uh, this lion's defense played at a playoff level. Um, yeah, they struggled in the second half, but Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, came out firing uh, 17-3 point, 17-3 lead before halftime. They traded punches, right? I mean, we knew that game was going to come right down to the end and required uh, a couple extra possessions in overtime. So, yeah, I mean, big picture. Um, it's looking like this team will have to go back into Winnipeg uh, if it uh, gets past the Western semifinal and gets back to gets back to the division final, but you can't worry about that now. Um, you know, should that opportunity come, I, I'd expect it to be another knock it out, drag it out game, but yeah, it was tough um, because I mean, you know, from, from a team perspective and from a marketing perspective, uh, a Western final in Vancouver and yeah, it's not mathematically impossible. Yeah. I'd have to win two and have Winnipeg lose two, but, and you know, playoff games in BC place are always special, but you know, for, for a couple of days, it, it surely stung because <laughs> it seemed like there was plenty of chances for this team to to close it out. Um, but um, I think you can look at it now and appreciate uh, just how hard they played for 60 minutes and beyond that. Well, I mean, do you get the sense that they can use this? I mean, you, you mentioned the, the difficult path to, to host the West Final. You have to take care of business and hope other teams do you some favors. But there has to be some sort of motivation knowing that, hey, we went punch for punch with these guys. You know, if we have to see them again, we know we can beat them. Like, what is the motivation level after a game like that? Well, and and they know they can beat them. Uh, it's it's way in the rear view mirror now. But back in week three, went uh, went in there to IG Field and and completely shut them down in all three phases, thirty to six. And you know, you you try to avoid it, but in our position, you can't avoid it. You hear all the outside talk. Oh, maybe there's a changing of the guard in the West happening here, even though it's early. But uh, got quite humbled when we went in there the second time at the start of August. And that was the weird thing about how those first two meetings were both lopsided in each of the team's favors. They took turns uh, laying a whooping on each other. We did, but um, yeah, I mean, um, we've known all along all this year that Winnipeg still is uh, the class of this division. Uh, we knew uh, it was likely going to go through them uh, in November. And, and yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, again, trying to look at it this positively, Say the Lions hang on and win that game. They pretty much have first place all but locked in. You know, is it asking too much to maybe beat that team twice in a four or five week span? And especially if, you know, if Winnipeg would come in here, um, you know, after a convincing semifinal win. I mean, we're grasping at straws with this. But yeah, I think this team knows that on its best day, if it plays its best football, 
it can certainly um, give that team some fits. And like I said, we just have to hope that opportunity comes. I, I think, you know, I look at the East here and I think, you know, Chad Kelly is likely going to be the East division nominee for MOP in the West. I think it's a little bit more open um, in terms of who it might be. Mm-hmm. Can you make the case right here, right now for Vernon Adams jr. To be the West nominee for MOP. Definitely can make the case. Uh, CFL's passing leader. Um, he's had the most 300 yard games. I know a lot of his detractors will look at, at his tendency to throw interceptions, uh, specifically that week three loss in Toronto where he had six. But Zach Caleros has turned the ball over quite a few times, too. So, um, you know, you can't use that argument against one player and not bring it up for the other guy. But I tell you, I think Brady Oliveira has entered the chat, so to speak. I mean, he's um, he's going to come closer to 2,000 yards and they have two more games left. He's at he's pushing 1,500 right now, right? And and you just saw in that game here when they needed to chew up yardage, when they wanted to kill some clock, he can get that for you. So um, I don't, when you're talking about Winnipeg's finalist, I'm not sure that's a slam dunk for Zach because I think Brady Oliveira has made a case. But yeah, I think he can definitely argue uh, Vernon Adams Jr. Um, and we were hyping that up last week. We're like, you know what? the winner of this game might have the inside track and that has to include Brady Oliveira now, but yeah, um, nothing but good things to say about Vernon. I was on this show with you back in August ahead of the first tie cat matchup. And um, we were kind of seeing what he was capable of then. And um, yeah, nothing but good things to say about that player uh, and the person. And we'll see how the voters stack it up. To to the person part, uh, what have you noticed about his, maturity and I don't use that word in the sense that he was mm-hmm. immature before because I know sometimes when I bring up maturity people immediately think well like what was his issues before I I, I would argue you know I, I saw him a short time here in Hamilton was always a dedicated but as as the guy as the leader what have you seen from him this season as he's grown has he changed much or is he the same guy he is since he walked in last year yeah I don't, I don't know if he's changed much but he he is I'll give you an example I mean you see this, uh, a lot of guys probably do this uh, on the other teams, but practice will wrap up and, um, you know, you look over what's Vernon doing. Oh, he's picking up the yard markers. He's helping load the stuff on uh, on the, the gator for the equipment guys to make their job easier. He's all in in a team sense. And and I've spoken about this before. It wasn't an easy situation last year coming in. Nathan Rourke was injured. Uh, Nathan was, of course, <laughs> setting the league on fire on pace to break all of Doug Flutie's single season records from 91. And um, there was a game in Toronto where uh, Sean White missed a late field goal would have forced overtime. The first guy to go kind of run over and console Sean White is Vernon Adams Jr., who'd been the starting quarterback, I think, at that point for less than a month. That was toward the end of uh, Nathan's time on the injured list. So for a guy to come in and immediately command the respect of that locker room, that's not something all guys can lay claim to. And uh, yeah, I mentioned the practice example. He's always there helping out. Um, No entitlements, no nothing. Uh, He's the first guy over to say hi to fans who come by and watch. He's signing autograph post game and, and almost missing uh, the post-game locker room breakdown. Hopefully I'm not letting know any secrets <laughs> there, but that just tells you the kind of guy he is. Uh, he's always got time for the fans. And um, 
it's an added bonus when uh, the face of your franchise has a buy-in from all those perspectives. Uh, what, what else has led to BC's success this year? When you when you look big picture as in terms of why they are where they are, uh, what has been the keys to their success outside of, of Vernon Adams? Where have they where have they really picked up uh, their success? You have to look at the skill positions. Uh, look at these receivers. I mean, you have two guys who are over a thousand yards: Keon Hatcher, Alexander Hollins, and. You know, there's been injuries to Dominique Grimes, Lucky Whitehead, seeing a couple of new guys sort of lead the charge with those receivers. Um, you know, I mentioned skill position that that includes uh, the deep, the secondary. I mean, guys like Gary Peters, TJ Lee having some of their best years later in their careers. And oh, yeah, there's Matthew Betts as well. Um, I mean, that <laughs> defensive line, we saw it. Two of those red zone fumble recoveries against Winnipeg. And unfortunately, they, the, the team couldn't capitalize them, but. Um, you know, Matthew Betts is, you know, two more sacks and he's going to break Brent Johnson's Canadian record against something you wouldn't have foresaw at the start of the year. But, um, I think, yeah, the skill position guys, I mean, um, this offense is going to be stirring the drink. I mean, we talked about the measuring stick with Winnipeg and you know how stout the blue bombers are on the offensive line and in the, in the backfield and their receivers are pretty darn good too, but that's where I think this Lions team can separate from all the contenders is if those skill position players um, are performing at the level they're capable of uh, this Lions team, I think can beat anybody in November, but it's going to be a hell of a test. Well, I mean, so here's the thing, right? They're uh, flying to Hamilton. They were hoping to fly back to Hamilton uh, this <laughs> time next month. Um, but it would actually this week, I think, this time uh, next month uh, would be kind of kicking off Great Cup week. Uh, if they were to do it, you know, we know the task that they're going to get there. So uh, it should be exciting. I know that they're excited to be here. I wonder your thoughts on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You've mm-hmm. seen a lot of football. You, you know the opponent this week. What do you make of the Ticats late season surge to find themselves where they are at eight and eight. Are they legit? Just your thoughts on what you've seen from the cats. Yeah. And I think I, I think I was on record the last time we did this uh, Louie saying that I did not think Hamilton was as bad as their record. I think they were three and seven going into that win. And um, you know, we're talking about the importance uh, of an effective uh, ground game James Butler just proving it again. He, he, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for that kid. Not when he's playing us, of course, but, and you saw maybe he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder last time, but I, I think Hamilton uh, has the balance to hang around with anybody there. And we've seen it, what six wins in their last seven dating back to that August game here. And um, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell, I'm not quite sure what their overall plan is this week, but uh, I would expect Bo is, is going to get the call here for the stretch drive. And, what you need, right? That's, that's a guy who's done it this time of year, won a lot of big games. And I was talking to Josh Banks, uh, Lions defensive tackle for some preview content we're doing this week. And he's like, yeah, these guys up front, they've, they've been doing their thing even longer than I've been in the league. And, and he's been here three, four years now. So there's definitely a respect factor. A nameless, faceless opponent is what the coaching staff preaches. You know, you don't look at their record. You don't look what they did last week. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm intrigued here. I mean, uh, Toronto clinching six, seven weeks early. You see Montreal getting their act together again. Uh, Montreal's defense, if if they're on fire, they can hang with anyone. I'm not sure this East division uh, is as much of a runaway as people think. So 
that semifinal with Montreal and Hamilton is going to be a slobber knocker. And whoever survives that, I think, you know, there's no reason to think they can't pull off an upset at BMO Field. So I think this Lions team understands what this Tiger Cat team is capable of doing. Is there any challenges of uh, coming out east for for these sort of trips? I mean, I, I mean, it's so commonplace, right? You're flying to Toronto, you're flying into Montreal, Ottawa. Is there any adjustments that are made uh, when when flying out east? I don't. I think that's kind. I think that's a little overblown uh, in the media sense of the world. I mean, um, I mean, it, it's funny. They they used to do. They used to travel a little bit differently, but now uh, in the charter world. You can kind of get in and out more smoothly. The Lions, so the, the, we'll get in about four, five o'clock local time on Thursday. That gives that gives them over twenty four hours to adjust. And you see them do little things like sometimes they'll adjust their meeting times to go earlier when they're leading up. I'm not sure how much of that they've done this week, but I think um, I think that once the ball's kicked off, I don't think that plays into effect. And it's funny for years um, when the lions had some really good teams under Wally Buono uh, in the previous decades, there was a streak where Eastern teams didn't win in BC place for three, four years. And and you heard some people saying, Oh, it's an unfair advantage and this and that. It's like, well, maybe the home team has something to do with that too. right? So, um, but yeah, uh, I I think, I don't know if there's much to that, Um, but I'm sure, uh, you know, certainly seen it before where a team's laid an egg out there and and that that little nugget comes to fruition but i think if they just take care of their business and have a good week in practice uh the rest of that kind of takes care of itself is there any place you have to hit up while you're in hamilton here matt baker oh well yeah i mean hamilton i'll say this there's a few hidden gems. What's that? Bench brewing. Hey, there you go. There you go. No, Te- technically Niagara, technically Niagara, but I'll give it to you. Well, quick little story. Our our head athletic therapist, Tristan Sandu, his brother uh, is a partner, part okay. owner of that. So um, Hamilton's has some hidden gems. I know some people who haven't traveled the CFL circuit might be surprised. Um, we're staying a little bit out of downtown. Uh, we're out kind of near Stony Creek there. I think, you know, the hotel I'm talking about. Yeah. We won't publicize uh, it. We don't want fireworks yeah. <laughs> going outside uh, so, Thursday night. Yeah, for sure. Nothing, um, nothing, a quick little Uber ride into downtown can't fix, but yeah. Um, bit of a foodie, bit of a beverage sampler. So yeah, I've got my spots. You can have your people contact my people. Maybe we can arrange a meeting. We'll save it off there. Uh, Matt Baker, (laughs) looking forward to seeing you down there at Tim Hortons Field on Friday. Thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Anytime, Louie. Good luck to the Maple Leafs. (laughs) Thanks.